exercise of them, brother. Keith, good to see you well, brother. Amen. Praise God. Children's Church is meeting over here to my left and your right while we're getting ready. Thank the Lord. Every time I hear that song, that song was sung in Angie and I, our wedding, and I was about to puke during that song. So, I, they, <laughs> so it's good to hear it at times I wasn't about to puke. Y'all probably saying, he just said puke from the pulpit, and I, I did. And, and you know what? If you've got babies, that's not a dirty word to you. You know what I'm talking about. But hey, God is good. Thank God for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, where we're picking up this morning. Um, I do want to say to you, gentlemen, I didn't mention this in the welcome, but tomorrow is Valentine's Day. <laughs> I try to help y'all, keep y'all out of trouble. And ladies, I just want you to know, I've recommended to many of our men, and I'm recommend to all men, Sir, before you go to heaven, you need to read this book. You say, I don't read books. I'm too busy, too cool, or whatever. You need to read this book before you go to heaven. And it's called A Man of God. Written by Dr. Jack Graham, Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. And let me tell you a couple things. One, when I pick up a book in a bookstore, and I read this years ago, and I read it again. I read a chapter every year at Valentine's, and I'll tell you why. When I pick up a book, and the foreword is by Chuck Norris. I'm reading that book, man. Amen. I mean, imagine a pastor got Chuck Norris to write the foreword for his book. This must be two bad boys. Amen. But guys, in all seriousness, there's a chapter I go back and read every year in February. First of February, I get this book and read it. And the title of the, the chapter, ladies, listen close. It's called Loving the Lady in Your Life. And all you ladies said, yeah, my man needs that, right? Okay. Now, we all need a reminder. I, I mean, he could be all that in a bag of chips and an RC cold and a moon pie to boot, but every man needs to be reminded along the journey the importance of loving the lady in his life. I don't know about you. I'm grateful to God the lady put in my life. I was just a kid here, and thank God for all these years, almost 35 total years, over 31 is my wife. I am just grateful to God, and I can't stress that enough to you, gentlemen. Uh, so, ladies, Amazon.com, Prestonwood.something, look it up. I guarantee you, you get that. And, uh, sir, if you read it and you don't like it, bring it to me and I'll give it to somebody that appreciates it. But, no, I'm just kidding. Now, I do want you to know that I care about you and I care about your relationship with Jesus and I care about your relationship with your family and I want to encourage you, regardless of what stage of life you're in, uh, it's important to... Remember what it means to be a man on mission with God in every area of your life. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. If you found your place and you're able, would you stand with me? Uh, the words should be on the screen here behind me for you to follow with us and should be on the front of your worship guide as well. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. One of my favorite passages in all of Paul's writings. And Boy, he's got some great ones. Here's what he says in verse 24. He says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Let's pray. Father, may the spirit of the living God anoint the preaching today and may the preaching accomplish the purpose for which it was sent that lives will be changed and drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you glory, and we pray it all in your name. Amen and amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Today we continue our series through Colossians that we're calling Our Supreme Savior, and I'm speaking to you on the mindset of ministry today. 
And in today's text, the Apostle Paul describes some things for us about the proper mindset of the gospel ministry that had been given to him by the Lord. You see, the gospel ministry is a topic that was dear to the heart of this wonderful apostle named Paul. He never lost a sense of wonder that which God had called him to the ministry, and he never grew weary talking about it. You know, I've told you before, if you talk to a man for 15 minutes, you'll find out what's important to him and what matters to him. I mean, and things he likes to do, and it can be a lot of good things. So Paul was talking about the ministry because it mattered to him. Toward the end of his life, he wrote to this young pastor named Timothy, and he said these words as he mentored him in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 and following. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. You know what Paul was saying? If he can save me, he can save anybody. If he can use me, he can use anybody. But he goes on to say this. He says, however, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him, excuse me, on him for everlasting life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Paul was talking about his love for the ministry, his love for Jesus, and the fact that he was grateful for what God had done in his life. You see, like the prophet Jeremiah, Paul knew that he knew what it was like to have the word burning within his soul and burning within the marrow of his bones, as Jeremiah talked about in Jeremiah chapter 20. Paul knew what compelled him to carry out his assignment as a preacher of the gospel, and that was that the power of God rested upon him. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Paul says these words, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. You know, he made it very clear to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where he told him to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. He made a point to tell him that the emphasis of the ministry was the preaching of the word. Not preaching about the word, preaching around the word, but just faithfully preach the word. So the apostle Paul was teaching true followers of Jesus what it really meant to get your thought life and your heart right with God for ministry. You see, in our 21st century culture, I'm fearful of some things. I'm fearful that we have drifted somewhat, if you will, very far away from what the Bible teaches us about a mindset for ministry. Who was it that once said, I believe it was Ken Adams said this over Newton, Georgia, he said that Jesus started the church the way he wanted it, and now he wants it back the way he started it. Amen? I really believe that. He started it the way he wanted it. Now, along the way, we've made something out of it. Sometimes it wasn't what he intended for it to be. See, most of the difficulties and problems that often arise in congregations locally are directly related to an improper mindset that exists within the church toward the ministry of the gospel. You can go all up and down the dial and you can list every church split that you've heard of in the last 50 years. I would venture to say that most of them, not all of them, but most of them were splits based on preference and not biblical principle. They were what so Aunt Flossie wanted and Uncle Joe Bob wanted and not what God wanted. They were splits and divisions that came, excuse me, as a result of man's preference and not biblical principle. So I believe it's important we understand that. See, improper mindsets include allowing truth to be replaced by tradition, which happens all the time, 
allowing power to be substituted by programs and politics and seeking the approval of the majority instead of attracting the attention of the master. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be with me. I want you to be for me, and I want you to know I'm for you whether you're for me or not. But I want you to know the reason I'm for you is because I'm for him. And I want you to know today as we're for him together, we can see God do great and mighty things, but we cannot substitute tradition for truth. We cannot substitute programs for politics and those things against the power of God. And we cannot just seek to be approved by the majority. We must seek to attract the attention of the master. I believe it was Steve Gaines when his book he wrote, When God Comes to Church, he said that worship services should never be designed to attract the attention of people but to attract the manifest presence of the power of God ladies and gentlemen I'm here to tell you today when that happens and God takes over the house it won't matter who's a big eye or a little you a big shot or a little squirt it won't matter what will matter is that the son of God will be glorified in everything we do and he will get praise for what takes place in this house amen I believe that. So in our text today, there's a few truths I want to bring to your attention from the text that God has really shown me about the importance that every child of God needs to embrace as we develop a healthy, vibrant, and a biblical mindset toward the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice with me, first of all, if you will, about the foundation of ministry. In verse 24, he begins with these three words, now I rejoice. Paul was a joyful dude, wasn't he? He was a joyful dude even when his circumstances led him otherwise. But fast forward down to verse 25 and notice what he said. I rejoice of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. We know that for any building to maintain its structural integrity, it must have a good, viable foundation. Same is true for your life today. If your life is going to withstand the storms of life, I believe it has so much to do with the foundation upon which your life is built. Every life with a faulty foundation will crumble and fall in times of crisis and distress, but a life that is built upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ can still be standing once the storm has passed by. Amen? I really believe that. You tell a lot about a personal person's spiritual relationship with God when you see how they go through times of testing and trial. Here's what Paul does to help us. He gives us a clear example of standing firm in the face of much adversity and challenges to his faith. And in order to be able to rejoice with difficulty and even in times of trial and testing, Christians must make the proper choice. There are people out here that will tell you from pulpits all across this land that you don't have a free will. That's ridiculous. You do have a free will. Right now in this room, we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only way of salvation, and you will demonstrate free will today whether by whether or not you receive Christ or you reject Christ. As a Christian, a follower of Jesus, on your way to heaven, done made your uh, reservation, done repented of your sins and trusted Christ alone, you will demonstrate free will because as the Spirit of God moves upon you to go deeper in your walk with God and serve Him in greater capacities, you will either decide to accept or reject that invitation from God today. Amen? You do have a free will. I watch people demonstrate it every week. I know that it's true. See, Paul did not make his choices based on a couple things. He did not base his choice on his present condition. His living conditions weren't exactly the Ritz-Carlton. He, he, was, he was in jail, a Roman jail. He was there with nothing but crooks and criminals all around him. So how could he write and say to the church at Philippi words like, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. No, he didn't base his decision on his present condition. Here's what he did. He based his decision upon his prior call. Wait a minute. His conditions did not matter as much to him as the call of God. See, all Christians have been called to serve God in one capacity or another. I really believe that. 
I believe that God who is sovereign is calling men, women, boys, and girls to salvation. And the same God who calls us to salvation also calls us to service. You see, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. He gives them not for our enjoyment, but for our employment. Amen? He gives us those gifts to enable believers to complete their service for God. And every believer has a responsibility to be obedient to the calling. That's why it's important. You ever hear people say this? You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You ever hear that? Well, I'm saved on my way to heaven. I don't have to go to church. I can stay at home here. And I don't have to go up there with all them hypocrites. And you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I know I've told you all this before. And you say, okay, okay, I get it. But somebody beside you ain't got it yet, okay? No, no, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But you do have to go to church to be a good one. Amen. Woo! Oh, wait, my preacher. This is the 21st century. We we in pandemic stage. What are you talking about? No, no. If you want to be right with God and fulfill your calling from God, you must fulfill the call of God to gather with the people of God to worship God in God's day in God's house. <laughs> I still believe that. You say, man, you old square peg, archaic preacher, that kind of preaching ain't going to help nobody. That kind of preaching right there, just pushing people further and further away. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me, hear me clearly. What we need in this 21st century, in the year 2022, is we need some men full of the Holy Ghost who will stand and issue a clarion call for people to repent and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I really believe that. That's what we need. Oh, Jordan, stormy banks, I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Oh, I'm bound for the promised land. Thank God I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. Don't give up, saints. Don't pack up, slack up, or back up until he takes us up. But let's stay faithful until he calls us all. Man, God is good. Y'all glad you came today? Woo! I'm glad I came today. I've got to hurry. Y'all going to get hungry here. You know, just a thought. Have y'all ever had a meeting with someone, maybe a lunch meeting, and they were ready to go before they ever sat down? I've had people say, other Christian leaders and you sit down there and they, they're on the way out the door eating their chicken finger and you're like wait a minute I thought you had something to talk about but one day I thought we shouldn't get so upset because people come to church today sometimes ready to go before you get there hear me it ain't about checking off boxes Y'all remember the little envelopes we used to get back in the 70s where you got a grade every week of what kind of good little Christian you were? You get 15% for showing up. And wait, my favorite one's on time. 10%. No, I get there somebody. Are you giving an offering today? Oh, you get another 10%. Here's one made a liar out of more people than anybody ever in Baptist church. Daily Bible readers. There'll be people... <coughs> Get those pygmy arms. <laughs> you look down there at the end, based on your little percentages, whether you told the truth or lie or whatever, you got your 85. You say, well, B ain't too bad for the week. Good little Christian boy. I want you to hear me. God don't grade on that right there. Somebody said this God don't grade on the curve, He grades on the cross. Woo! You know, I, my teacher daughter would tell me, kids, and that, can we put that on the curve and scale them a little bit? But some of my boys in my Monday morning prayer group, they tell me they got some real smart people in their class. And, this, and the, look, somebody will make a 96, and they only get four more points, so they're 72, right? Say, God don't work like that. You got to come by the way of the cross, friend. You, you can't hope you've been good enough because I promise you, you're a good old boy, I'm sure, but you won't be good enough. 
You know, the only way you'll be good enough is if you're perfect. Let me just tell you, I talked to your wife a minute ago when I was talking, and I saw in her eyes, you ain't. <coughs> She's getting you that book. But <laughs> that's going to be your Valentine's gift. It's going to be marked loving the lady in your life. But anyhow, no. No, God gives you these gifts because he wants you to be a blessing to the household of God, and he wants you to understand your responsibility. I believe that. I believe, church, we must have a firm foundation today for the ministry of the gospel because if we don't, we won't find nor will we keep joy in the journey. Cotton Mather, old-time preacher, said this. He said, let others develop the pulpit fads that come and go and let us specialize in preaching our Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's one thing that's going to give us more joy than anything under the sun is that we have a healthy, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and we walk with him all the days of our life. Not just the foundation, but would you notice with me also the force of ministry? Look, I love this, verse 26 and 27. He said, wait a minute, there's a mystery out there. And the greatest mystery has been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice that word mystery, if you will, in verse 26. What is this mystery that Paul is speaking of? We think about mysteries. We think about spiritual shows like Scooby-Doo, amen? Mystery machine. I, I knew I had lost out with Scooby-Doo when my children were smaller and the mystery machine in Velma was walking around with an iPad. They didn't have one of those in the 70s, Ray. We didn't have that. No, no, the mystery. What is it? Paul is speaking of things that were hidden in the Old Testament but now are revealed in the New Testament. Here's the revelation. See, the revelation of these menace mysteries is available only to true believers and they are not discovered by man's intellect but are revealed through the will and the act of God. One of those mysteries was the fact that God would make it possible that salvation would be extended to Gentile people. Can somebody say, thank God for that? Do you know why? Because that's who you are. It's a mystery from the Old Testament that you would even be able to have the, even the opportunity at salvation that's the great mystery that was revealed. But of all the mysteries that God has revealed in the New Testament, the most profound is right there in the words, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the New Testament is clear that Christ by the Holy Spirit takes up residence in all believers. And listen to me, at the moment of salvation... Now, you're not going to hear that everywhere. There'll be people try to tell you that you have to do some, some type of sign gift in order to give evidence that you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. Hear me. The baptism of the Holy Ghost takes place the moment that you repent and receive Jesus. You receive God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost all at the same time. Amen? That's good news. He takes up residence in us. Both Gentiles alone now know the joy and peace that comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news. Because Christ is in us, we now have a personal relationship with the hope of glory. Wow. See, the force, if you will, or the power source of ministry is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The power source of our ministry is not our budget. Did y'all know that? The power source of our ministry will not be contained within these offering plates. These offering plates will be a representation of our dependence upon God and trusting him to do ministry through us, but they are not our source. Our source is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that word hope carries the meaning of assurance. And boy, I... I think about old Fanny Crosby every time I think about the word assurance, don't y'all? God used a blind girl to write hundreds and hundreds of old songs. And my favorite is Blessed Assurance, don't you? Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. You see, the blessed assurance that we enjoy as children of God is our safety. A very unsecure world. This world's not very secure. Have y'all figured that out? 
in the past couple of years, amen. We knew it before then, but we really know it now. He is our hope when we feel hopeless. He is our rock and our strong tower. He is the anchor of our soul in times of trouble. Oh, he is the force of ministry, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But notice a third thing, if you will. Notice Paul even talks about the frustrations of ministry. <laughs> he said, in my sufferings for you, in verse 24, the last part, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church. People ask me sometimes, preacher, do you ever get frustrated in ministry? And my question is, don't we all? My answer is, don't we all? Yeah, sure we do. We all do from time to time. I believe finding the peace of God in our frustrations is where we learn to trust God and we learn to grow deeper in our love for him. See, the early church considered it a privilege to suffer for the name of Christ. Did you know that? The early church knew when they suffered for Christ, it was a privilege. In Acts 5, a number of those followers of Christ had been taken into custody for preaching in the name of Jesus. And when they were released, notice the manner in which the Bible says they departed. Look, they got took to jail because they were preaching the gospel. And notice what Acts 5.41 says when they got released. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus Christ. When they got released by the Sanhedrin, they said, I'll tell you what, we're just going to go have church because we are blessed that God would count us worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. And they kept doing it. Let me just share quickly with you a few things that I read from Tom MacArthur that really helped me about suffering. He, he says that there are some reasons for joy when we follow Christ in our suffering. One is that suffering brings believers closer to Christ. It's right there on the screen. I love Philippians 3.10. You know, Paul said this was really the thrust of his, who he was. He says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The fellowship of his sufferings. I've met people in my journey that thought the fellowship of his sufferings was when somebody moved their Sunday school class and they had to walk further down the hall. I, I remember sitting in a, a deacon's meeting one time, some real spiritual dudes. And let me just say this, some of them were good godly men. Some had no business being there. Are y'all all right? But we're in that room and we, student ministry, it had grown some. And so they needed a bigger room, so they were using this room on Wednesday night that was also used by a lady's Sunday school class. That's the room we had deacons meetings in. That's where I took a lot of my beatings. Not physically, but, you know, got a lot of scars on my heart from that room. I'll just be honest with you. One of the men said, I... I, I got something to say. I'm about to speak my peace. That was his word. I'm going to speak my peace. That's why he came to me, speak his peace. He says, I understand there's some kids been using this room on Wednesday nights. I said, yes, sir. We, we've had to use it because the other room wasn't big enough. Isn't that a real blessing? Aren't you excited? Well, I'll tell you right now, one of them, one of them, one of them little heathens left some popcorn on the floor in him. Got in his King James horse. And I said, really? Popcorn. And one of them might have made a mark on the wall. And somebody didn't take the trash out. And he said, and I just want you to know right now, my wife and a couple of her friends, they bought the carpet that's on this floor. This is their room. I looked up and I said, well, it's under the ceiling of the house of God. If this carpet really matters that much to you, maybe you ought to take it down to your house. Because you can do what you want to with your house. This is house. And I said, you know what? Those marks on the wall, hey, let me tell you something. If a kid makes marks on the wall here, do you know what? You know they make this marvelous thing. It's called paint. 
and they sell it by the buckets. If you can still get any, I don't know. It may be, may be shortage. I don't know. Everything else is. Last time I went to the doctor and got one of them Rosephine shots, they were out of lidocaine. Hello. My goodness. They tell you they don't have lidocaine that Rosephine shot. You better buckle up and bow up. Put your chin strap on, boys. It's fixing to be good. But listen to me. Those marks on the wall, those look here. And even if they leave a little popcorn, those are marks of the mission. Those are battle scars. And I tell you right now, I'll clean up after a young'un. I'll I'll clean up after their mama and their dad. I'll do I'll I'll, I'll do I'll paint marks on the wall. I'll clean up. But I tell you one thing: I will not do. I will not take ownership of that which belongs to God. I will give him glory and I will give him praise in this house and I want you to know if your babies tear something up, break something, spill something, that's fine. I love them babies. They can spill it again. Look here. We are here to bring them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and we can't do it if we fuss about everything they skin up. <sighs> Thank God that those things are in my rear view mirror because I'm telling you right now, I said, well, these godly, we have some godly men that serve as our deacon ministry. And I know if I went to them and said, we need something for these kids or we need something for this ministry or we need to touch a life for the glory of God, they are ready, willing, and able to do whatever it takes. And that means so much to me, Bobby. It means everything to me that I can go to a meeting and say, hey, we need to, this is on my heart and they love me and that means so much. All right, I'm gonna hurry real quick. Suffering also assures that believers belong to Christ. It's proof you belong to him, amen? If you don't suffer for him and you don't experience some kind of affliction, I'd be getting right today. Suffering brings a future reward. Thank God for that. The sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared for the glory that should be revealed in us, amen? Suffering can result in the salvation of others. Your suffering and how you handle it may be the very catalyst that points somebody else to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? It's just like when I tell you, and it was on the screen, John uh, 13, 34, 35, people will know that we love God by the way we treat one another. And then lastly, suffering frustrates Satan. You say, what? Yeah, See, he wants suffering to harm us, but here's what God does with it. God uses it to bring out the best in us. I tell you, that's something else very important. Very important, we don't forget that. Let me move to the last thing I'm done. Let's talk about the focus of ministry. I gotta hurry. I'm really trying. <laughs> it says him we preach. Who, him, who's him? That'd be Jesus. Warning every man teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man. You notice that word, every man's repeated? Perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, his work, his working which works in me mightily. Now, verse 28 29, if you tune me out, I want you to tune me back in for about, as old Chuck Woolery used to say on the love connection, two minutes, two seconds, right? You stay with me, okay? Verse 28 29, change your life, friend. In these verses, they contain some key words that unlock our purpose and our responsibility as God's people on earth. If you belong to him, you're not your own. You're not a citizen of Cleveland County. You are a citizen of a place called glory. You are a stranger and pilgrim. You are passing through. Your citizenship is there. You just got to represent him well between here and there. Amen? Paul had one purpose in mind. As your pastor, I got one purpose in mind. You go home today and somebody says, what, what's your pastor all about? Well, here it is. He had one purpose in, that, in mind. That was to present every believer perfect. Now, here's what you need to know. That word perfect does not mean perfection. It means fully mature. Present every person fully mature before Christ. That's what I'm all about, and I believe that's what's important. So what was the game plan? He had a game plan, all right? Getting in the huddle, got his offense lined up. He's fixing to call to play, and they're going to go execute the play. He said, our, our, our game plan involves a few things. One is preaching, heralding the word of God. The Greek word for preaching means to publicly declare a completed truth. 
Amen? I believe that. See, Paul was determined not to live as a closet Christian. He didn't work for the Christian Secret Service or the Christian CIA. He was a wide open follower of Jesus and he wanted the world to know that he was in love with Christ and he wasn't ashamed to show it. Amen? Wow. He wanted everybody to know Jesus changed his life. It wasn't just preaching. There's another part. It's It's teaching teaching it's very important here's what he's saying that refers to this imparting a positive truth see teaching is the way that we are faithful to make disciples of other believers he didn't just call you to be a disciple but he's called you to be a disciple who makes disciples there's a third thing is warning that word warning can also be translated admonishing Paul preached with the aim to correct and warn straying believers. Listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are straying from the narrow path that he placed you on, if you are walking at a guilty distance today, hear me, this preacher stands before you to warn you, don't keep going that way. Come to Jesus and give your heart to him fully today. I believe that. See, this duty was not always pleasant for Paul. It's not pleasant for me to warn you, not one bit at all. But he continued to warn him. You know why? Because he cared. You know why? He's the first example that tells us he loved them and there was nothing they could do about it. And then finally there's laboring. Let me leave you with this. Notice I end in verse 29. Key word of the verse is labor. You know what that word means? To work to the point of exhaustion. That means being all in and all out for the all in all. That meant he was not giving up, backing up at all. He was going to the point of exhaustion. No one, I believe, can successfully serve Jesus Christ without putting forth hard physical, mental, and spiritual work. There's no place for laziness in the kingdom of God. Christian leaders and pastors and laymen will never fulfill the work that God has called us to do if we do not do it with our whole heart. So as we labor and strive together, as we're serving the Lord, may we always remember as a church that it's his power working in us that equips us for the journey. It's one of my favorite verses. I've got... Most every letter I write, I put Proverbs 35, every email. That's kind of what my life verse for me, that every word of God is pure as a shield unto them that put their trust in him. But there's a word in, this, in the New Testament that always stirs me to make sure that my heart is totally submitted to Jesus. And it's Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, you just go back and break that down. Crucified. That means as he was nailed to the cross, may my life so be nailed to the cross. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Well, you know what he meant? I'm living here but it's not really me, it's Christ living in and through me. In the life that I'm now living, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Hear me. What we accomplish for the glory of God between here and glory is very important. You probably say, look, it don't matter. All we just do, just kind of get by and stay out of, stay out of the way. No. What we accomplish between here and there is very important because everything we do brings glory to him and it builds his kingdom. Amen? Not our kingdom. His. There's an old song that was real popular years ago that Clay Cross made famous called I Surrender All. He said, I surrender all, all my silent hopes and dreams, though the price to follow may cost me everything. I surrender all, all my worldly desires, let all my kingdoms fall. I surrender all. We sing a little hymn of that too. Same title. But let me ask you today. If you haven't surrendered all, what are you holding on to that's keep you from surrendering it all? 
Because if you're holding on to something this life, keeping you from surrendering all to God, can I tell you what? You've sold him out way too cheap. And you know what he wants you to do today? He wants you to give that to him. Let him take it out of the way so there'll be no barrier between you and him. What about your mindset? What about your heart set? Is it focused on making much of Jesus or protecting traditions? Is it about politics and programs or is it about the power of God? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe today is a day we can make the right decision to get our mind and heart right with him that we might accomplish great things for his glory. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for your word today. I want to thank you for the way it ministers to my soul, speaks peace to me, comforts me, challenges me, and corrects me. God, I want to thank you for the privilege to stand before this group of dear people. I thank you for their kind attention. God, I thank you for their attendance here today. Father, I know that they're not here by an accident. You're the sovereign God of the universe. You gave them a free will to choose. I still believe, God, you knew they'd be here. You knew the words they would hear. You knew the message they would hear. You knew the songs they would hear. And all of that, Father, I pray has come together at this moment that they might make the decision you want them to make. Father, help us as a church to realize It's not about protecting anything. It's about being sold out totally to your Lordship, giving you glory, and trusting you with the results. Father, today would you save someone who's lost in their sins in need of a Savior? God, would you restore joy to your children who are walking at a guilty distance? Would you get them off that path they're straying on and back where they need to be? And God, would you add to this church daily those who are being saved? God, I'm going to give you praise right now for it. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Just a moment. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And here's the invitation. If you've never trusted Christ, I plead with you to come to Jesus today. I'll be here to meet you. You say, I don't know what to do, what to say. We'll help you. We won't coerce you. We won't intimidate you. We won't do anything to embarrass you, but we will help you get a hold of heaven. You leave here born again child of God today. If you're one of God's children and you're straying, don't you stay out there because you're prideful. Stay out there because you're ashamed. Don't you be. Don't look here. It's a lot more shameful to stay out there than it is just surrender today. Come get right with Jesus. We'll help you. You're a child of God and you need to make decisions about your obedience, about where you will serve God in the local church. If you need to follow the Lord in that, follow the Lord in believer's baptism, whatever it is you need to do, I just want to open for you today to know we're here to receive you and we want to help you because we care that much. Father, do what only you can do in this invitation. Change somebody's life change a person, change a family, a home, change a community that we might go change the country. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. As God speaks to your heart, friend, the very first word of that very first verse, you step into that nearest aisle, you come to Jesus, you'll never be sorry. Come just as you are, Marty, when you're ready.
Remember our partners, there are always some extra envelopes in the, the pew backs there with Awaken City, those white envelopes, Awaken City Church. Anything put in those goes directly to our partners there in Utah. They're getting fired up about going back there, looking for God to do some great things. But each week, I believe, the Bible tells us to lay aside, bring that tithe, which is holy unto the Lord, and that we would give to the Lord and join together with our other believers and be a part of the way God plans to finance His work. Amen? Through the faithfulness of His people. So let's join our hearts together. Let's ask God's blessings on our giving together. quick before we dismiss today I do like I told you earlier you see some snapshot of last year's uh, kids camp there in Harriman at Awaken City and I told you brother Jonathan Blair will be with us in, in April and he's a Bama boy he's south Alabama he's he's from Headland Alabama if you've been 431 to Dothan you, on your way to the beach you've been right through Headland and may not even known it amen but uh, anyhow, he's excited. Just had twin baby girls. He went out to Utah, and um, I think he's been around the Duvals, you know, Pastor Derek, a little bit too much. He had two children when he went out there, and all, all of a sudden, you know, they, they were going to have their third child, and it was going to be it. The next thing they knew, they were expecting another child, and that child ended up being twins, so now he's got five. So anyhow, he, uh, I told him, I said, you've got to limit your exposure to the Duvals. But anyhow, no, we love all of them, and they're excited to be with us. If you are interested in finding out more about our next team out, please just make your way down to the fellowship hall right after the service. Give me a couple of minutes. Brother Glenn, I have some stuff to give you to be looking at till I can get down there. If you need help finding that, please just go right to the Welcome Center. Brother Jim's right there to help you. And, uh, but we'd love for you just to hear, hear a heart for it. There's no, no, uh, no commitment required at this point. Uh, we'll be soon if you're interested, but not at this point. Just information and interest only. We do remember that. Don't forget Wednesday night at uh, 6, uh, everybody, adults here, children in the back on this floor, and then our students in the cave. Don't forget that those things coming up. Pray much for the week ahead, and don't forget that I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Amen.